Well, MG, given all the cricket news that is going around at the moment, it is an absolute honour to have one of the greats of Australian cricket join us in studio. He's got a book that comes out today. The book's called Rod Marsh. Our guest is called Rod Marsh. Rod, welcome to the Rush Hour with MG. Thank you very much. Celebrating 50 uh, years of first-class cricket, and I'll tell you what, in them 50 years, you've crammed some in. <laughs> yeah, I have. It's, uh, and I think that's uh, why probably the book was so easy for me to write, even though it took me a year and a half. I'm not a very good writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, I mean, let's, let's, let's do it in uh, chronological order. Um, you, you went as far back as um, finding your ancestries uh, back in the, in the convict days. Mm. That, that must have been confronting. Well, it was and it wasn't because I, I sort of knew that um, my dad was adopted, but I didn't know the story of how he was adopted. And when I found that out, I mean, I thought, oh, I don't really like uh, my blood grandfather. I mean, he just left my father and uh, the other siblings and just took off uh, with his former wife, which I could never understand why his former wife had him back mm. after he was obviously playing up with this, uh, this other woman. Uh, Rod, your book, and MG and I have both read it, and MG's got his copy in front of him there, and it's dog-eared, and he's got post-it notes all through it that we're going to get to, but the biggest thing that struck me in your playing career is that, geez, it looked fun. It looked, the way the book reads and, and the stories you've got from it and the amount of contributors you've got, your former teammates, people you played against, it just looked like you had a lot of bloody, fl- bloody fun playing cricket. Yeah, well, we did. And that's, that's the thing that I, sadly, I think is probably missing today. It's that professional that they really have taken a lot of the characters, the professionalism has taken a lot of the characters out of the game. And, you know, the guys that are playing that would love to have played with us and they say that openly god i wish we'd played in your era and all right they'd be poor but uh, <laughs> but they'd be rich yeah. if you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's... Well, well it is it's, it's, I mean, you know coming from a rugby league background it's very similar um you know the 70s and 80s with a with the halcyon days of rugby league when everyone goes wow i wish you know this bloke here who this modern player is he should be back in the 80s and or the 70s because that's where he belongs and, yes um Characters, I think, is a, is a big thing lacking in in all Australian sport because we get the the older we get as a country, the more PC we get. Yeah, and and it gets beaten out of you nowadays. I mean, you can't, you don't dare to be different mm. because you don't fit the mould of a Test match cricketer or a one day cricketer or a T Twenty cricketer. Well, what is the mould? I mean, to me, the mould is someone who's bloody good at it. And I mean, if he's an individual and he does things a little bit differently and he causes a bit of problem. And surely that's the job of the captain or the coach or both of them uh, to get him playing his best cricket. Mm. And if he causes a bit of grief, well, sometimes that's that's all right. Rod, you're uh, in the book. You you actually name your 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 eleven of the team that you, the players you played with and against, and your academy eleven of the players you've you've coached. In that book, a lot is mentioned your golf and how, your love of golf and how that was one of your, your the things you like to do away from cricket i wanted to ask you what's your ideal golf for if you had to go and have a round it's with with four blokes wow <clears throat> well from his, from his cricketing it can be oh. some of his cricketing teammates oh, yeah. if he'd like or no that's it's almost an impossible or like no it's not impossible I'd play, <laughs> it's not impossible at all i'd i'd like to play with my brother right and we'd take on Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. Oh, there you go. 
There you go. Your yeah. brother, who's a professional who, golfer, who was, yeah, or yeah. was a professional golfer, yeah. And how do you reckon you'd fare? Well, maybe they'd go the other way. Me and Tiger <laughs> take on Jack and Graham. <laughs> well, Graham's Graham has a, a chapter in the book as well, and he he talks about he fondly about early days with um, you and your farm. Uh, not it looked like a farm where you were you, such a sparse surroundings where you where you grew up, and your dad would be hitting uh, airless golf balls against the yeah. fa- against the wall and. They had no left-hand clubs, so they made you play right-handed. And your brother said that, you know, if it wasn't, you know, basically you were just as good a, a golfer as you were cricketer. You could have been a professional golfer because you were hitting the ball right, uh, right left-handed was it with right clubs. Yeah, 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 left, yeah, yeah. Left-hand with right clubs, yeah. and you're nailing it. Well, the thing is, if I'd have been a, a professional golfer, I'd have been a very thin one <laughs> because I wouldn't have been able to afford food. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, no, I, I could never have made it. My temperament wouldn't have allowed me to do that. I have such a bad tempered bugger on a golf course, me. Mm. <laughs> I, you, like, I like hitting good shots, and if I don't hit one, I yeah. snap. But you're a feisty cricketer. I mean, we, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 50 before Christmas. And I told you before the interview that my dad just celebrated his birthday <clears throat> last week. He was born in 47 as well. Uh, yours is on Sunday. So I grew up with this era, um, the Lilies, and, and probably from seven, my earliest memories of cricket is probably from about 75 uh, onwards. Um, so some of them cricketers around the centenary test, which is I'm fondly entrenched in my mind. With yeah. you, you were out there with Rick McCoskey when he broke his jaw. Yeah. Uh, no, I, no, that's right. You're the runner. You I, were, I batted with Rick. I batted with Rick in the second innings when he came out. Oh, that's right. I yeah. was, not, I don't know, 80 not out or 70 not out, and he came out. And I just, I had no idea he was coming out. And when he walked onto the ground and, I mean, they started singing Walsing Makoska. Uh, that was just unbelievable. Wow. I mean, yeah. Oh, goosebumps. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Right, hindsight is you and MJ reminiscing about your careers there. Hindsight's a marvellous thing. Did you realise during your career the specialness of those players you were playing with and against and that maybe... 20, 30 years down the track, it would be looked back on like it is? Not really, although, I mean, you knew that when Lily uh, got to his mark on the MCG and the crowd just chanted, Lily, Lily, I mean, that was always something special and quite daunting for the opposition, I might add. Mm. I mean, this he was the best bowler and the fast bowler in the world at the time and for him to stand at the top of his mark and have this huge crowd chanting his name, uh, it was, yeah, I, I always thought that Dennis might be a bit more special than anyone, and really, in hindsight, he probably is yeah. uh, of our era. Um, Greg Chappell was one guy who um, was afforded the luxury of having a chapter in your book, and he said upon first meeting with you, we didn't really like you because it was, you were both 13 or something at the time, and you just looked through him, and <laughs> he, he he quickly learned that that was just how you were. You were such a competitive bugger, and in fact, he, he nominated yourself and Ian Redpath as the two most patriotic Australian cricketers he's ever played with or against. Yeah, well, big he, rap, big rap. He always used to say that um, you know all of us would die for Australia, but Redpath and me would we'll kill, kill for, for Australia. It. <laughs> well, it says it uh, is. He, he yeah. said, Rod. Uh, <laughs> Rod played his cricket. Um, it was hard, but he was scrupulously fair. And I, no, I suppose that comes around with the the under the underarm as well. You, yeah. When you you know you were disgusted by it. Yeah, well, you know, I was disgusted by a few things on the field that have happened, uh, especially you know just recently. I didn't like that, but um, that's another story which I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> 
look, I, yeah, I, I didn't agree with what had happened there, but I don't remember not agreeing with it mm. I, until I've, I mean, I've seen the replay a hundred times. People have shown me, and I apparently, uh, yeah, you know, basically said, "No, mate, don't do it." And anyway, that's yeah, a long but, time but, ago. But, isn't but it? That, that's the thing about it is that's the you know that to have that happen in your career, such a monumental moment, which defines a lot, like. We nearly went to war with New Zealand. Yeah, we did. We'd, un- we'd have won that. I oh, yeah. <laughs> we can't beat him at rugby union, but yeah. we can beat him, I reckon. But it was just, it was amazing yeah. to be part. And then you've got a bloke who, who, who told his brother to do that, um, that, that action. And then he's writing a book, uh, a thing in your book about how he loves you so much. That's, yeah. that's the bond you have with these guys. We did have a great bond. And, you know, I mean, just harking back to when I said I, I was disgusted with a lot of things that happened on the cricket field. Most of them were my dismissals <laughs> when I got out. <laughs> I was disgusted with myself. <laughs> well, you the first part of your career, you, you like you were a, a serious batter. Yeah, West Indies got me. Yeah, you know. oh, they get a lot of people, but yeah, they terrified me. <laughs> Especially now the helmets. Like, uh, yeah. you had you had the little clip-on ones, but mind not- you, you had to watch the ball a hell of a lot closer if you didn't have a helmet on. Mm. That, that's for sure and certain. Uh, and I mean, I think I got hit in the head about eight times, but seven of them were wearing a helmet. Wow. Uh, and, I mean, you really get hit in the head if you don't wear a helmet, which is interesting. Except that, once again, that's another story mm. in itself. <laughs> all yeah. these stories are in the book. And oh, the, what yeah. I love about this book as well is that biographies, and they come out thick and fast at about this time of the year. But what I love about this book, Rod, is that it's more it's almost more of a coffee table book than it is a biography. Yeah, well as Dennis said, it's a it's a toilet book. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, exa- <laughs> that's exactly where I read it, Rod. That's exactly where I read it. But it's the it's it strikes me that the your era of cricket and your career both as a coach and administrator selector and all the rest of it is so visual. There are so many amazing moments. You spoke about the centenary test, MG. And the inclusion of all those amazing photos in this book is what makes it such an amazing yeah, read. Brings it to life, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, really happy with the photographs. Um, the guy from uh, a firm press, Martin, he, he said, we need all your photographs. And I said, well, we're going to get them. You know? <laughs> he said, well, you must have some. I said, well, I think I have. But anyway, I think they're in the roof. Now, wow. <laughs> I had to get up into the roof and fight off the redbacks, and, you know, as you do. Yeah. I found them. Wow. Amazingly, I found them, and, and they were in really good nick as well because mm. I'd sort of sealed them in a an esky type thing, which is not a <laughs> – you can believe that. Yeah. Well, the, the DK Lilly features a lot in this book, and you mentioned him. He was my idol growing up, and with the buttons all, all the way down to the belly button with the gold chains, he had that movie star look about him. Um, MG's, he was MG's idol fashion-wise, not so much in sport, no, but just, and, just and, he dressed like him when he went to the clubs. <laughs> But he was just—it was bigger than life. He was, and it was when cricket, as Rod just said, had their characters. And you're right. There's a chapter in here when you first laid eyes on him at Fletcher Park. Was it in Perth? I, yep. I, I spent three years in Perth, so I know that that kind of area. Yeah. When I played with the Western Reds over there, and did you know then when you first did you, did you hear about this kid or did you? I heard about him, and I heard he was fast, and uh, I was really looking forward to batting against him because. You know, I wanted to see how good he was more than anything. And he was fast, but he was a bit wayward. And I got the better of him oh. uh, for a little bit. And then I hit one wide of him. He was fielding it mid on. Hit one wide of him and he ran around, picked it up and hit the stumps and ran me out. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's highly unusual for a fast, <laughs> fast bowler <laughs> to be able to field. Wow. 
and he could field in those days. But the longer his career went, the worse his fielding got. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what. A, but what a man! Well, like is he yeah. out of all out of everyone out of all the you know the great people you've met in cricket? Um, is he in the top three? Oh, certainly. He's also uh, the most generous. Uh, he's he's an incredible man. He's got an incredible seller right now. Well, he had <laughs> well, an incredible like... seller until last week. Put it that way. <laughs> we said in the book, wine, golf, and family, but not in that order. Are your, are your passions? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's. Well, he, he look honestly when when he was at his peak, to me, he looked about six foot six, and yet he's not that tall. No, he's but... just over six foot. Yeah, but he, when he was bowling, he looked tall and he looked big and he looked strong and he looked well, dangerous. And who he was. who was quicker? At their, at their peak, Tomo. Tomo. Tomo's fastest bowler. Ever nearly. I've ever seen, put it that way. Well, and you have spent at time, you've set up academies all over the world. Yep. Mitchell Johnson was one of your charges yep. in his early days. Yep. And Tomo. No, Tomo. Tomo is the fastest bowler I've ever seen. Now, having said that, it may well be that someone has bowled quicker than Tomo, but oof, I doubt it. You told, you, you, your best ever 11, which I love the way you did it, was you wanted to do it with blokes you've actually played with or against. And, yeah. I, and I think that's fair. Well, you yeah. can't do it any other way. I, I don't really think you can. can. I don't think you can. I don't think no. you can because otherwise it's it's speculation. I mean, how could I have Ponsford and Bradman? And I mean, I don't. <laughs> Obviously, Bradman's record would suggest yeah. he'd be in everyone's. But I mean, I, I, I had no idea how good these blokes were. But the couple must have been pretty good. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. But one of the blokes, you, a couple of you had uh, in that team, um, uh, the West Indies great Andy Roberts was yeah. just man. He he was kind of this. He, he was the first of the scary West Indians that we kind of knew of, and um, he and was that, the smartest of the West yeah, Indian bowlers yeah, as well yeah. by far. I think he was very good. What made him? What made him the best? Well, his control, uh, his ability to be able to know what to bowl to what players. Typical example, we're playing the fourth test in Adelaide against the West Indies in a series. Bruce Laird, we're having a beer at the end of the day's play. We've got one day to go and we're going to get beaten. We're, I think, eight down with a day left to play and we're 400 behind or whatever. Anyway, we're sitting there and we're drinking beer and uh, Bruce Laird said, you know, I haven't had a cut shot since the first test. <laughs> and he, he played, this was the fourth test match of the series. He, and Andy hadn't bowled him a cut shot. Wow. And neither did the other fast bowlers because Andy controlled them. Wow. He said, you don't bowl anything outside off stump to lead. Bruce Lead, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, he, was, he was fantastic, Andy. Under the Southern Cross I stand. Yep. You are responsible for it. Well, I'm not responsible for the Not the, the limerick the words, or, the, or the wording. But, but bringing it to the Australian team, yeah. And, and that was via... Ian Chapel originally. Mm. Um, we we're having a beer on the Thames somewhere, and uh, he told me the story about one of his mates who used to say it, and uh, and he also had a big arm. This bloke, and he used to throw his pint mugs onto the island, which was about fifty metres away. He said, "You reckon you can get yours there?" And I and I knew I wouldn't be doing that because <laughs> I uh, would have finished badly somehow, I don't know. and I would have probably hurt my arm. So. Uh, uh, and he then told me about this uh, underneath the Southern Cross I stand. And I don't know how or when or why, but somewhere back in this country, I think in Australia, um, we won a tight game or we won something. And uh, I remember standing on the table in my jock straps, in my jock strap only. <laughs> uh, not a pretty sight on my back. 
Thunderfires uh, got everyone's there. attention and <laughs> and belted it out, and then they wanted to hear it again and again, and then after every winning test wow. match, we that's incredible. We gave, what, yeah. What's more incredible is the the line of people who have been bestowed the honour mm. along the way. It's good having something like that. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Ian Chapel, um, the other Chapel brother, um, who you, you seem to have a high, by reading the book, um, you seem to have a very high regard for. Um, he was probably my favourite batsman growing up, and and my favourite commentator as well. Um, when watching on Channel Nine, along with Richie, but um, how what was he like as a bloke? Oh, uh, he was the most loyal and the most honest bloke uh, you'd ever meet, and still is. Um, he's uh, he's a very good friend, and uh, I just had to have him as captain. Uh, um, as much as I like Greg, I just and Greg as a player, Greg as a player is probably better than Ian, but. You know, in, the whole package you're talking about. In yeah. some ways, I mean, to captain a team such as the one I chose, Ian's a bloke to do it. Um, Ian was, uh, he really knew how to get blokes to pull together. And uh, uh, I, well, here's a man, um, during our days of playing, he'd, he'd say to the team after practice, he'd say, look, I don't know what you blokes are doing. Uh, at six o'clock, but I'm going to be in the bar and <laughs> between six and seven, uh, it's my shout. <laughs> and you know, the reason he did that because he got a captain's allowance oh. and he was ashamed to have the captain's allowance. Wow. He had to spend it on his players. Wow. He didn't get a big allowance and I think they got a massive allowance now, but his was just a, a pittance, but he spent all of that money on us. There you mm, go. Fantastic. That sums him up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It wow, that really sums him up. And that's the thing these days. Like, look, I, I think, and again, I, re, I refer back to the sport I played and and the, the sport that you love as as well, cricket. I don't know if it happens in AFL, which, but there doesn't seem to be that. Um, no matter what happens on the field, stays on the field. And when you finish the game, you go and have a beer with your opponents. Yeah. No matter what, you know, we we the guys to cop some some oh, some tongue lashings from a lot of little cheeky halfbacks. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the stuff was very personal. Yep. But I knew he was trying to get under my skin to make me a worse player on the field. Did not once throughout my career did I get um did I think not to go next door and have a beer with him after the game. No. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. And it's a bit bit more difficult in test match cricket because it goes for five days. But you know, that's when the trouble you've got time to cause trouble, I reckon, over five days. And what you want to do is you want to sort out any indif- you know, differences yeah. that you've had, sort them out so you start afresh the next day, and it's, it's all a bit of fun. Then it doesn't anyway. build up. Then it doesn't build <laughs> no, up. No, that's right. It doesn't fester. Yeah, that's a good yeah. yeah. It strikes me that if Rod had grown up in the Eastern States, he would have been a cheeky little halfback getting under your skin. I think he would have. <laughs> I think he definitely would have, or a hooker. Hey, Rod. This... Oh, I, I prefer hooker. <laughs> 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 Rod, the the stories we've and we've touched on some of them there. We could go on about the book and everything that's included. It is an outstanding read. It's out today. Grab it. Want to get your thoughts on the current cricket news? Um, the the Ethics Centre delivered their findings the other day. Yep. Have you have you read through the report? No, I deliberately haven't. So I can honestly say no, I haven't read through it. So I really don't know what's in it. But that would be a bit of a lie because I've read the papers. Mm. And yeah, I've sort of read what the. Uh, but Tubby Taylor said you can't, uh, you just can't read it in summary. You've got to read the whole lot mm. before you comment. But I think I, I've read enough written by people uh, that I, uh, put it this way, that I respect that have written articles. And I don't think Cricket Australia have come out of it too well from mm. from mm. my understanding. 
Well, your three, you were the, I mean, you uniquely positioned. You're, you're a former player and vice-captain who was probably dudded for his chance to captain his country, but that's all in the book. Go on, yes. Robert, you can read that full story. Uh, you've headed up academies. You've you've uh, been a, a national selector and chairman of selectors. Where's Aussie cricket at right now? Well, we need a win. Mm. Oh, my God, we need a win. Um, and, I, look, I, I'm, I'm really quite pleased with uh, what the ACA have come out with today, the Australian Cricketers Association. They've, they've said that the boys have got to come back, and they've got to come back early. Uh, and I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think that they've done their time now, and it's a massive amount of time they've done. It appears that the uh, reviews have shown that Cricket Australia are partly to blame. So it's the situation changed a little bit, and I think uh, it would be good for everyone concerned. I think it would be good for, obviously, the players. It would be very good for Cricket Australia <laughs> if they came out and said, hang on a minute, we're going to have a look at this, and if they brought them back into the fold for the uh, series against India, I think it would be fantastic. I think it would just be, uh, I think as as a nation, we... We didn't like what they did, and it was no. systematic of what was going on at the time, and well, they lost their identity a bit. They've admitted that now. I think for a clean bill of health, let's just get back on with the game yeah. and let these kids back in. The, and they've, you know, six months has gone. You know, I think as far as you know, it's not going to be a reward to let them back playing. We've said in the show, um, you know, tongue in cheek, let them back, let them back, let mm. them back. But we we really mean it, um, and I think it could be the shot in the arm that um, our Australian cricket team need at the moment. Well, it certainly helped because they're the two best batsmen in the country. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, the in your book, you have a list of ten commandments that yep. you you wrote down over your times of setting up these academies as what you wanted to teach these young developing players. Have you seen the players' pact that's come out that Tim Payne announced? Well, uh, yeah, I sort of read a bit of it. Okay. Um, uh, it was very brief. It was mm. one of those uh, gung ho statements that you. Uh, if you sit in uh, corporate meetings, you've got to, you know, mm. for, we've got to have a mission statement, but it can't be, you know, more than 15 words or something. And that's what it appeared to be to me. Um, you know, let's, uh, it's, it's all very well having all these things and, and that's fine. And I appreciate what they've, they've tried to do. But, you know, when someone bumps you and hits you under the chin, uh, you know, a lot of that changes, doesn't mm. it? <laughs> You know, you, well, you that's just... what we spoke about on this show. Is it struck me that this, as you say, it's a very nice statement that they've yeah. come with. It's a nice idea. Yeah. But when it's well, day yeah, three, well, this Vaughan character, the Pommy Michael Vaughan's is, come is out laughing and... at us, going, "Well, it's horseshit, basically." <laughs> like, and I think the one word they're missing is, "Look, come and you know, cry with us and and play with us and cheer with us." But not once did they say, "Let's win with us." Yeah. Like Look, I, I, professional sport is about winning. Of course it is. If, if, but it's it's winning. In, in a graceful manner. The right way. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it, it, there's no room for catching bulls on the bounce. There's, there's no room for... And that's uh, what you're famous for. That's yeah. that's what you're famous for as a cricketer. Yeah, well, you just, you've got to be fair. It's a, it's it's not a gentleman's game. It's, well, it's a, it is a gentleman's game, not always played by a gentleman. No. Played, played by professional cricketers who want to win. Yep. No doubt about that. Mm. But they still abide in the main by the laws of the game. And that's why it's, you know, like, for example, you know, this really gets under my skin more than anything. You watch the T20 match, right? And you watch the last couple of overs and you see blokes backing up uh, four or five yards out of their crease. Mm. 
Now that is cheating. Yeah. And what I would do Bring if the man I was cat bowling, back. Man oh, cat. I would, yeah. Man cat. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. And then you know who'd be the one that was naughty? Me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not the blokes oh, that are cheating. We, God, that gives me that. Yeah. <laughs> but it is little things like that, isn't it? Yeah, that, it is. Know, I know. And it's, it's for, you can't for, have it every way. No. no. Well, the batsmen have got it every way these days. Well, it, most administrators are batsmen, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of batsmen, and you've spoken about the, the, the lads who are currently serving that suspension. There's a quote in your book about David Warner, and you yep. say, for all the doubters, David Warner is a very good man. His reputation more so than Steve Smith and Cam Bancroft, has copped a massive hit throughout yep. this, uh, even ongoing. We saw what happened over the weekend in grade cricket where he opted to leave the field because of some sledging incidents. Um, what do you make of his future in the game of cricket for Australia? Oh, is there still a place for him? I'm completely biased towards David. I really like David as a, uh, a young man. I think he's he's fantastic. Uh I think he shows remarkable respect for his parents. I think uh, his wife and kids, uh, those around him, his teammates, I think he shows uh, remarkable respect for his friends. Uh, and sometimes he might go a bit far on the field. Uh, but okay, when he had to be good on the field, mm. when he was uh, on the verge of getting suspended, he knew he'd let Australia down if he uh, transgressed again, and he didn't. Mm. Mm. He kept his gob shut, so he knows how to do it. Mm. Well, he showed uh, on the weekend a bit more mm. maturity by walking away from the situation. Well, he's a good man. He's a really, really good man, and, uh, you know, I want him back, uh, and I want Steve Smith back, and I want Bancroft mm. back. If, if, if You've got to remember if Cam's good enough yep. to, to reclaim a spot, and I hope he is. But uh, those, those two guys in particular are needed. Wouldn't be an interview um, with Rod Marsh without asking you exactly what went down um, in around 78, 79 with this World Series cricket and the songs that came out from Mojo and all these young cricketers. We used to get in under 12s, we be, you know, we'd be singing the song on the way to our games and cricket that seemed to be at the pinnacle in the late 70s. Kerry Packer just saw something, didn't he? And, and yeah. not many thought that it would, it would last long, but cricket as we knew then would never be the same. Well, when you think about it, the underarm and this ball tampering, and I mean, that's nothing compared with World Series nothing. cricket. When that broke, <laughs> by God, I mean, we were the... Where were you? When you first got in contact, when, when did someone first oh, contact? when I first in contact was at the centenary test, at tea time on the last day of the wow. centenary test. But I knew about it beforehand okay. because I got big ears. <laughs> uh, I found out that something was going down. I didn't know exactly what was going down, but... And, I mean, when I found out about it, there was probably no doubt that I was going to play. But I probably had more to lose than anyone because uh, I, I was vice-captain uh, of Australia at that time. Probably would have been made captain, mm. uh, which would have meant probably a bit of coin passed through my well, back pocket. Mm, you would have been spending the allowance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Or maybe I would just spend it on myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, you know... Uh, we were in uh, Mick Malone and Max Walker and myself were in Amsterdam when the news broke at a party at Tony Gregg's place. Oh, wow. And we actually <laughs> read about it in the New York Times, believe it Dick. or not. It was at the hotel. It was quite incredible. And we thought, thank God we're in Amsterdam. We were, we were over there <laughs> drinking beer, actually. <laughs> it was, uh, and just having a look around. We, had, we uh, were picked up by the, the guy from the... Uh, 
Dutch Cricket Association. He had no idea what we looked like, or we certainly had no idea what he looked like. And he had a cricketer magazine in his hand. Oh, wow. And that's how we, we got to it. Really. It was just, yeah. We just I, had three or four days over there. It was good. And it would, uh, like Mick, uh, so Michael Holding in the book says that 40 times the pay, he was what he was getting back from you know, playing great cricket. And, in, yeah. and he's, he was getting 40 times more money than he'd ever seen in his life. I yeah. mean, did you ever meet Kerry Packer? Oh, hell yeah. And yeah, did you yeah. party with him? Did you have, you get, well, Kerry didn't drink. Just his cheeseburger, just his quarter Fanta. pounder. His, yeah. his quarter pounders. He, he um, in fact, there's one, I don't know whether I mentioned in the book, I can't remember. There's one occasion where oh, they they turned off the lights when we were in a winning position out at um, VFL Park and Ian was filthy, absolutely filthy chapel. Anyway, the the manager, a fellow called Jeff Forsyth, said, come on, we'll have beers in my room afterwards. And Kerry came to me and he said, do you mind if I come along? And knowing that he was a non-drinker, I said, you can come along long as you have a beer. He said, well, I don't drink. And I said, well, you can't come. <laughs> and he liked that. He liked the fact that I went back at him. And he said, all right, I'll have one beer. So I, wow. as soon as he walked in, I gave him the beer and I made him drink it. And then he could talk to the boys. And, but Ian didn't come to that. Wow. Ian was that cranky. He didn't come. That's a great insight. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I want to get a lot of, there's some great stories in there about some blokes you've had beer with. And I've asked you about your ideal golf foursome. Uh, Brad Haddon told us uh, a couple of years ago that he reckons in the current team, Josh Hazelwood has hollow legs, can put in a decent session standing at the bar. In your time, who who has sort of had the most endurance? You're looking at him probably. Oh. No, aside from yourself, present company excluded. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Dougie. Dougie. Oh, Dougie, of course. Dougie, Dougie had endurance like <laughs> no man alive. Like, like Robert De Costello. <laughs> uh, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> No, what's that bloke that used to run across the deserts? Oh, Cliffy Young. Cliffy Young. Yeah, yeah. Be, better than him. There was another one. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there was another one that ran across. Curios? Oh, no. Farmer. Oh, Paddy Farmer? Was it Paddy? Yeah, that sounds good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that ran across the. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, around yeah. Australia. Well, yeah. Well, Dougie ran around. The, the bloke that ran around the world, that's who Dougie's like. There's a great picture of you in this book getting off uh, a plane at Heathrow yep, after, yep. I reckon, what, 50 cans? Oh, well, put it this way. Um, I had no idea. Uh, uh, that was an uh, undisciplined act, that. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like... Uh, oh, you don't condone it, but it happened. Uh, I wouldn't like any of my charges no, to have imagine, that uh, under my watch. God, you only think... I'd have been quietly proud, but I... <laughs> if social media had been around in those days. Oh, uh, look, oh, Rod, yeah. we appreciate your time. You've been very generous. This book, Rod Marsh, it's an outs- Go and grab it. It's, it's more than just your typical... Autobiography, the, the, as we mentioned, the photos in it, fantastic. I want to get your insight quickly before we go, because we are heading into a summer of cricket where Australia is searching for a new identity and, and all the culture and all everything. What the bloody hell's wrong with our middle order, Rod? What has happened to batting in the Australian cricket side? It's pretty simple. We're not making any runs. <laughs> you know, that's uh, – and look, personally, I think it's uh, it's a matter of technique. I really do. I think it started uh, – a long, long time ago. I mean, what we've got to do is somehow get the best coaches or more than adequate coaches coaching at the lowest level and teach the kids technique. Nowadays, you know, you don't see too much technique being taught. You see a lot of blokes teach them fellas mm. to hit it over mid-wicket. Is that because of 2020? Mate, mate, yeah, of course. You know, and the kids themselves, you you know, 10 and 12 year old kids don't necessarily want to play test cricket. They want to play big bash mm. and or IPL. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
if we're going to uh, be prepared to lose a lot of test matches, then don't worry about that. Teach him to hit the ball in the air and teach him to make room and hit it over cover and teach him that. But mm. if we want to win test matches, we've uh, got to have a look at the way the Indians bat or the yep. Sri Lankans bat. These blokes have got technique. Good trivia question. reminds me of a good trivia question in the book as well. How many test matches yourself and DK, Lily and, and Greg Chappell played on, in India? Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? Wow. Should we give him the answer? Or I don't no? think so. Oh, make, make, him buy, make him buy the book. I yeah. love that as a hook. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Marsh, the book is out today. Thank you for your time. And, uh, hey, you are welcome back here anytime you like. Uh, well, thank you very much, guys. I've enjoyed it. Go on your backers.